This is the Prestigious Initiative, and these are the points. I'm Chris Kent, and I'm joining Chris Bean. Hello, Mr. Bean. Hello, sir. Let's talk about our conversation with Daniel Deluzneski, um, Secret Service guy, made it to rank a lieutenant, uh, not Secret Service like we normally think about. He was talking about, that was interesting. I didn't know that there was different types of Secret Service, per se, I guess. Maybe that's why it's a secret. <laughs> well, I know when I think of Secret Service, I think of you know the guy or the the handful of guys that are protecting the the, the uh, not the governor the the president. And you know he seemingly he did that to some regard, but he wasn't the guy in the suit talking into the, you know his 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 uh, sleeve shirt sleeve. Um, but it was it, it, yeah again it was interesting. You know I guess obviously there has to be different different parts of the secret service it's not just you know those people that are talking to the shirt sleeves but there's there's a whole branch there and and of course there's all different levels and different jobs within and so it was interesting you know right from the beginning hearing the the kind of like having having the, the veil lifted sort of say is is like oh there's of course there's more duh mm-hmm. you know and th- and that was that was kind of interesting yeah and then you know moving on from there couple places here and there, but finding himself into school emergency management and and then also consulting for school safety. I think there's a theme throughout his entire life there and recognizing the need for greater safety. And I think that at a certain point in time, I think maybe all of us have, have seen or observed or watched the news and thought to ourselves, man, if only we could do something about it, or if only there was something to, to be done, if there only there was a, a greater measure of safety we can take and being able to sit down with 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 Dan and, and kind of talk through some of the stuff it was very specific obviously we're talking about school safety but uh, you know I like the idea that this isn't just something we can sit back and look at and say oh man that sucks but there are steps that we can take and programs we can promote and 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 uh, you know ideas that we can implement in our lives that can help promote that safety, not just for us and for our family and for our friends, but for our community and 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 other communities and other people's um, families and friends and things like that. And so, you know, just hearing him talk about it in a way that you could you could tell was was something that weighed heavily on him, something that he was doing something about, and something that he genuinely cared about was was really great. And and just to hear, I'm sure you know we could have sat down with him for hours. And talked about all the things that he knows and all the things that he's thought about or, or interacted with or been a part of, you know, he's definitely one of those people you can tell has a lot of experience because of the passion he has for it and the knowledge that he's gained and the experience, the expertise in what he's doing is, is it shines through in that conversation. And it was, it was nice to sit down and talk with him. I mean, nice as much as it can be to be talking about school safety, but just to hear him in the position he's in, to know that there are people out there looking out for kids and teens and families the same way he is, 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 uh, you know, it's a ray of hope in the somewhat, uh, dismal setting of our world today. Well, and, and of course it's, it's helpful to know those people are out there because we often hear the other side, you know, this school shooting happened and then all, you know, all the, all the effects of that. But we don't necessarily, hardly ever, if ever, hear about the people that are behind the scenes doing work to help prevent those things or to to lesser the degree that those are happening or to try to keep those school individuals in, in a safe type environment. And, and like you said, the, the passion that he has for this type of, of work really is, is clear as we're listening to him. Yeah, and before we dive into some of the details here, I'd, I think... 
throughout the conversation, hearing both good and bad sides of some things that are happening in school safety, I thought to myself that the really the number one thing that this boils down to is communication. And, and you know maybe that's that's too general or maybe that's something we use a lot but I think it really is you know whether you're you're communicating what you're supposed to do whether you're communicating when um, you know when you are safe whether you're communicating what you're not supposed to like being able to communicate this and make sure that everyone's on the same page and everyone's following the same protocols and doing the same thing and and reacting the same way if you can communicate that, Number one, it's importance, but number two, how to get it done effectively. I think that's one of the keys to the school safety and and maybe safety in large is being able to communicate all of this to 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 other people, to families, to friends, to schools, to kids. That's what it kind of breaks down to. And so, not to distill it all into a simple thing here, but being able to communicate well, I think, is going to be a huge factor in in promoting safety, uh, no matter where or what you're a part of. Um, and so, you know, we, we started talking about a little bit right out of the gate, some of the issues that with school safety currently, and he mentioned things like lockdowns, um, the run, hide, or fight mentality, or a brand new one that I never heard of, the Alice training. And I guess to be fair, I uh, I don't know, I graduated in 2015, so I've been out of high school for a while. But when I was in high school, we didn't we didn't do run, hide, fight. There was no such thing as Alice. We had lockdown drills, but those were, were pretty simple. You know, you, you close the blinds, lock the door, and hide in the corner until, you know, someone sets you free. Free is, is funny, too, because, you know, he talked about how our schools don't need to be prisons, which I had never thought about before either. And maybe it's because I'm so far removed and I don't have kids myself in school. It's not something that crosses my mind as often, you know. But I started talking about those things, and... I, you know, run, hide, fight. What? You want a bunch of kids to go fight a, a someone with a weapon or or an intruder with with potentially a firearm? Like, I, interesting. And to hear him talk about that too, and and the perspective he's taking, not only him but a lot of other people are against this because it just logically doesn't make sense. And that's kind of scary too to think about how this uh, system can be developed and implemented into places when it doesn't really seem like a sound system. You know, I, I, again, it's, it's, it's scary, not exactly a fun conversation to be having, but again, we need to communicate why this wouldn't work, why this wouldn't be effective so that we can find ways to, to kind of deal with this stuff and, 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 and actually keep people safe. Bringing up the communication part, I'm, uh, I'm going to kind of go forward from there. The communication part I think is key so that everybody in the school system is using the same vocabulary. When you say code red, everybody, uh, he had, you know, he has little cards that he puts in the book. You know, everybody can look up at the little card. What is code red? Oh, that's what code red is. Okay, great. And then there's a, a short list of things, you know, checklist of, uh, of what you need to do. I think that uh, communication, certainly, but being on the same type of vocabulary, when you say run, or, or hide, or, okay, those are bad because those aren't the good ones to do. But you say lockdown, everybody knows what that means. And not only do they know what that means, 
they have a, a system, a protocol in place that they can look at the, that sheet and say, okay, yep, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. Okay. Yep. Okay, good. All those things are done. And everybody knows and has a basic understanding of what that means, or at least where to go to, to find that card that has that information on there. I think that in terms of communication, that is the key is everybody's using the same vocabulary. And then of course, you know, moving to the, to the quote unquote, poor methods of, of survival in those instances. I think, I think what that comes down to, like, why do those get put in and believed to be working is because we are not allowed to, or we're not, uh, the, like the, the situation doesn't present itself to be able to ask questions in a viable way we're, we're you know, the, the parents of the, of the students, or even sometimes the, the faculty of the schools are told these things and that's it. They're told these things do this because this works and they, they're not set in an environment that brings them the ability to question the higher ups. Oh, someone said do this. Okay, great. That must be what we have to do. And they just turn off their, their critical thinking mind their common sense goes out the window and they just do poorly whatever it is that they're told to do. Yeah, of course, you, you don't want little kids running out of the bad guy that's holding a gun. Clearly, that's not going to work. And throwing things at the, obviously, no, that, you know, my six-year-old is going to throw a, a pencil at the guy with the gun and that's going to somehow deter him from shooting. No, that's, that's not how that works. I would think if anything, that would make him mad. You would think so. Yes, yes. He's not going to go run. He's not going to go run and hide. Uh, from, you know, a bunch of six-year-olds throwing pencils at him. I don't her. know. Maybe you get 20 of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, sure. I, that's just a joke. I was yeah, just kidding. I, yeah, yes. Okay. Uh, so I think, you know, speaking to the point of why, why, we're, why we're, you know, believing this stuff works is because we're told that it works and there's not a situation that, you know, the, the environment isn't there that allows people to ask the who, what, why, when, where questions. And because we can't ask those questions, we just have to believe that it works. Or if you use your brain for half a second, obviously, no, that's a, that's a bad thing. Don't do those because they won't work. That's not going to work. And, you know, hearing him say those things, of course, right? If you say them in any sort of, you know, normal type situation, any open situation, open, open conversation. Okay. Yeah. The, I have a lot of questions about those. With that, you know, do you want my 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 three year old, my five year old throwing a, a a notebook at the bad guy with a gun? Oh, wait a second, that you know, then then you actually start to use your critical thinking mind. Oh, that's not that those are actually bad ideas. Oh, the bad guy's in the hallway, walking around, waiting to see somebody so he can do something bad to them. Let's let all the kids run in the hallway. Oh, well, okay, well maybe that's. That actually is not such a, a great idea. <clears throat> so, of course, when you use your mind and, and you, you, know, you use your critical thinking skills about how this is going to work, how this would you know, actually play out, very clearly, there is some misinformation out there. And, and I think that's why and how that, is, that misinformation gets pushed around and then has stood you know, for so long because people don't use their minds to think about it or they're not in situations where they can ask critical thinking type questions to question the, the, you know, the protocols that they're being, being fed. And that's why it's great to, to hear those people like Dan that are doing good work and 
being practical and allowing people to kind of engage with these things. And something you talked about too, is in those instances, principles, you know, they they want to take control or try to make sure that everybody is okay. And they're not always protecting themselves. And the reason he brought that up is because that it's important to trust the teachers to do what they're supposed to do. And the reason they can do what they're supposed to do is because you're going to drill those things over and over again. And we talk about this all the time with, with habits and ideas and, uh, and, and just being able to practice them and implement them and do them. So you don't have to think about it. He mentioned several times the idea of implicit memory. If you've drilled it enough, it's something you don't have to think about. You go in the car and put your seatbelt on, you, you know, you put a belt on, you buckle it, you know how to zip your, like, something you do all the time. You don't have to think about doing it. You just do it because you've drilled it so much. And once you've drilled it so much and you're in those situations or even another drill, trust your teachers to know that, hey, here's what we're supposed to do and we're going to get it done. Once you have that plan and you've worked on it and and you know what you're going to do, get it done. And that brings us to another point well as well, which is you know, don't give them options. Don't say, hey, you can either lock down the room, stay inside, or open the door and let the kids run wild. No, there's one option. You don't want that that dilemma of choice of having to be like, oh, what do I do? Because he also mentioned, you know, there's several times when teachers or students or anybody in a stressful situation might just freeze, lock up. We don't want to have that, that, that extra hurdle of having to decide, do I do this or this? No, this is what you do. This is the protocol. This is the, this is what needs to happen. Boom, get it done. And so removing that option or those options and making sure that they drill and, and develop that implicit memory of what they're supposed to do is critical in not only keeping them safe, but also keeping children safe as well. And he talked about two main things when we were discussing school safety, which is to keep yourself safe. And then also in those settings to have school resource officers, armed school resource officers to be able to handle situations that they should arise. And, you know, other things to do is is to train, like we talked about, to do what he said and to harden the school or to build up defenses and, and, and physically put things in, in the way of people who might be trying to get in, into a school or a building or location. You know, taking ownership of your school, realizing, hey, this is my school. I should know where the exits are, the windows are. I should walk around every once in a while and be like, hey, what? why is that door propped open? Or why is that window open? You know, why is this space empty? Could someone hide something in here? Knowing your school, having cameras to be able to keep a look on uh, certain areas and, and spaces that you need to know what's going on. in, And, you know, the, one of the other points you made, which I love to hear, because, you know, we talk about this in our martial arts training, is that sometimes we draw a roadmap of, hey, here's what we do. Then you do this, then you do this, then you do this. But life isn't linear like that. You know, I could do this and instead of what I thought was going to happen, something else happened. Or instead of what I thought was going to happen, something completely different happened or something I never expected. And so part of the training too is is adding variables, saying, hey, you know, let's run a lockdown drill, but then let's also pull the fire alarm. Well, what do you do then? Because during a fire drill, you're supposed to leave. But during a lockdown, you're supposed to stay. Unless you you run those variables and encounter those problems in your training, you're never going to know what to do in a real life situation if that should happen. And so it was, it was great to hear him say that again because of the parallel between martial arts training and that. But because I you know I think that we can recognize the importance of that is you can drill and, and train yes, but if you don't apply pressure or stress 
certain situations, you don't know what's going to happen if you are in that situation and something unknown happens. And so I think that's important too. And another reason why I think that, that Dan is, is doing something great to be able to raise awareness and, and talk about appropriate or good ways to train for these situations is because yes, a hundred percent, you don't know what's going to happen. You could think that A leads to B, but A might lead to C or A could lead to S way down the road, something you never thought of. And so throwing some variables in there is, is a huge part of training and drilling when you're talking about these protocols. Well, and of course, every time you give somebody an option, they're going to be, especially under, in, 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 in regular situations, okay, they're going to stop and think, okay, do I do this or do I do this? Which one's going to be better here? And then in a, in a high stress type situation, you can barely remember how to do anything, let alone, oh, I have to choose this one or this one. What's going to be the best one? And then you're stuck even more than you were before. So having one method that works and is the safest option is much better than having a, a you know a, a bunch of different options, to choose, even if it's just two options, to pick one option and go with it. You know, and then of course, as the teachers are drilling these things, they're, they're, they're practicing these things, it's practice. And practice, hopefully, to set them up for if this would ever happen in real life, hopefully not, but if it does happen, then they have some idea, some, some understanding of what it was like because you did it previously. And you did it in a, in a controlled type environment, and it was all you're getting feedback, on, but that's so much better than never doing it and not knowing what to do. And, you know, of course, having the, him, hearing him talk about, the, you know, somebody, either an active shooter drill, and then somebody pulls the, the fire alarm. Of course, that's going to be extra pressure on whoever is there, because then there's extra things to worry about. Okay, is the fire real? Did the bad guy do this just to, just to mess with us? Is just this extra chaos? You know, what's going on? And having an opportunity to live through those situations in a, in a safe environment before hopefully never needing, but before it happening for real, then of course you have some sort of, some, some sort of, of fallback, some sort of response already baked in. You know what to, what to do and how it's going to work because you've done it at least once or so before. And of course he talked about, you know, they do fire drills once a month and the last time somebody got hurt in the fire is, is whoo, way back. However, they do active shooter drills, you know, much less often, and seemingly those are much more of a concern in this day and age. And, you know, to hear that the, the principals, of course, they want to be the ones that are going around checking to make sure everybody's doing the things that they're doing, but they can do that in a drill. But if that's what they practice in the drill, then in a real life situation, Either one, they're not going to know what to do, or they're going to go around and start checking the doors. And well, obviously that's a that's a bad deal. So they have to have the knowledge that they empower their teachers to do the things that they're supposed to do. And the teachers are going to do those things that they should be doing. And they themselves need to do the things they should be doing, which is also getting in their room and doing this, following the same protocol that the teachers are, are following. Because if they are not doing that, then it's going to be hard for anybody else to follow the rules, quote unquote, because the, uh, the principal isn't following the rules. Why do they have something different? They shouldn't. Everybody should be doing the same thing to stay safe. If that's the safest option, all everybody, everybody, all people, all parties involved need to be doing the same thing. And he talked about, you know, he was doing the, the drill one time and, and it went into the school and it was silence. All the lights were off. You know, you, you, all the doors were locked. It's like nobody was even there. That would be perfect 
case scenario because you know the bad guy's in there he's checking all the doors they're all locked you can't hear anything it's all, all the lights are off oh man you know they're thinking that maybe they missed uh, missed the kids and they're at, at, a, at a at a field trip or something everybody goes home happy for that you know that would be the ideal situation where you you know all the lights are off the the, the classrooms are silent the doors are locked the lights are off the the curtains are closed it's like nobody's there that's going to be the safest way. And, and it was very, again, we talked about this already, but it's very clear the passion and, and dedication that he has for this. And, you know, I only hope that the administrators and the, 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 the teams at the schools, all the schools, can listen and can implement the steps that he has. Because hearing the alternatives, the run, height, run, run, was it? Run, hide, fight. Run, hide, fight, and the Alice methods are, are, are very clearly not the best choices for, for, you know, very understandable reasons. And to why, why those are the ones that are implemented over whatever else, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, you know, hearing him talk about those very key, practical, easy things that the faculties at the schools can do to keep the students safe and to practice these things. You know, I, when I was in school, we did, we did have a bomb threat one time. And he talked about it. You know, I'm sure it was somebody called on the bomb. They want to take a test or something, or it was written on a bathroom stall. I, I don't remember. We ended up getting bused to another school, and we stayed there for, you know, three-quarters of the day or something. And then we went back to the school and, and then left, essentially, because school was over by then. And, you know, like he talked about, unless you have the who, what, how, when, why, all those details, you know, maybe it's not necessarily a, a key thing to be doing. And if... You know, we had another school that was it was you know actually connected the the high school and the the I can't remember if it was the middle school or the junior high was actually connected to the high school. I knew what you know I can kind of remember what what we did in in the high school. I don't I don't know that the other school also you know went to a safe safe location as well. I, I hope they did. Common sense would tell them that they should. But you know th- these things are, are are questions that hopefully are, are starting to be asked now because the problem is rising. And hopefully these administrators, again, are finding people like Dan that can help them develop clear protocols of how to progress through these situations in order to keep everyone safe. And a, a great place to start would be his book, The First Five Minutes. You know, so what do you say, 77 pages, short to the point, practical and helpful, a uh, great thing to read through as an educator, or administrator, or even just a parent. I think is a great place to start and kind of educate ourselves about these situations and not just be able to see them on the news and think about what a shame it is. But there's something that we can do on every level to help keep us safe, help keep our family and friends safe, our kids safe, our school safe, our community safe. and something that we can all have a have a part in. So I think those are the the points for this week. Be sure to come back next week for our next episode and even more points. Until next time, I'm Chris Kent. And I'm Chris Bean.